just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. We've got one of those uh, shows today that everybody seems to like, and uh, we have a listener on the show as a, a guest host. And uh, this is somebody who hasn't been on the show before. In fact, I just started seeing emails from her, so I don't know if she's been around a while. Her name is Liana. Liana, <clears throat> I almost said it wrong. Liana. She lives in the northwest part of the country, and. Uh, for you boomers wondering, she's 27, so she's about the age of our kids. But we had good luck with our uh, our gentleman in in Canada who was 27. So I have I have uh, big expectations for you, Leanna. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Let me ask you this up front: the name of the show is the Rational Boomer, and we got a lot of old people talking about old stuff. And you are a millennial. You're in the midst of the millennial age. What in the world caused you to want to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast? I'm always curious about that. <laughs> well, I think I was really excited to find an actual rational boomer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but we we definitely have a lot uh, in common as far as our thought process and uh, just kind of the way that we view the world. Uh, so that definitely caught my attention right away. And uh, I think of my dad and my mom as rational boomers. Good, good. So, uh, I like to engage in conversations with them. And I figured it would be very similar uh, engaging in a conversation with you. So I am looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's funny. I have uh, sons that are 28 and 34. And they are rational in the same sense that you and I are talking about. But the last thing they want to hear is their dad spewing shit. Because every, <laughs> every time we talk about stuff, for a while they seem engaged and they're going, oh, man, I don't want to hear this. I've heard it a hundred times. That's the funny thing is in doing the show and doing the TikToks and all this stuff, my my kids and my wife don't listen to any of it. And some people have said, why don't you listen? <laughs> and they say, because we hear this shit 24 hours a day. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I can relate to that. And I'll give them credit yeah. for, for for that. You know, Leanna, I think a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about boomers and millennials. Uh, and, the, and everybody thinks there's this fight against boomers and millennials. And the crazy thing I've always felt about it, it makes no sense because the boomers birthed and raised the millennials and the millennials were raised and birthed by the boomers. Uh, maybe there's a natural contention there, but for for the most part, my attitude is if boomers think the Leanna, the uh, Leannas and the and the millennials of this world are bad, well, all we can do is look back at ourselves because we fucking raised them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, I, and, and you know, my son would always say, "Well, you guys are selfish. You guys are this." And I always tell him, "I said, well, that's funny about uh, you know." us being selfish and wanting what we want, because I remember one particular uh, birthday when I took you to Target and spent about $200 on plastic <laughs> Batman shit. You weren't complaining then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Let, let, let me ask you, Leanna, uh, as a millennial, I, I've said this before, uh, you know, with me, I'm 62 years old. My life isn't going to change regardless of who's president. My big concern is for my kids and my grandkids. What kind of mental state are millennials like you in right now, seeing all the, the crazy shit going on? Gosh, I mean, I think it's been really stressful for us. Um, my brother, he's six years older than me. We're both millennials and we've both gone through the exact same struggles um, as far as making low wages work uh, for your rent, for groceries, uh, just even owning a pet. Um, and I think our struggles compared to our parents, uh, there's some definite, there's some differences there. Um, and I think having boomers that understand where the millennials are coming from and can see the struggles that they're going through, I think that helps um, with having conversations and uh, kind of gaining an understanding on both sides. Um, but when it comes to the stress, I mean, it's a, it's a daily thing, worrying about, you know, making ends meet, worrying about your paycheck extending as far as you're needing it to. Uh, and I, I just, I think that's, most of my peers would probably agree that we don't have a lot of optimism right. <laughs> when it comes to the future. Well, fortunately, the future is you. The future is yes. not me. And and you'll have your opportunity to change some things. But it would be nice, at least from a boomer's attitude, to set you up a little better than you currently are. I think one of the big problems in this country is it's all about me. Uh, what do I get? Why don't I get this? Why should we give other people that? And there's a certain amount of selfishness in this country, both with boomers, Gen Xers, even millennials to a certain extent. And right. I think that's the one thing we got to get away from. Yeah. And especially for our Gen Z, I mean, they, they've never known a world where, where they had, um, I guess, expectations for the future. They've always lived in a world where they were told, you know, things are shitty and you're probably never going to get to retire. You're probably never going to get to own a home. You know, I mean, they've always lived in that, in that world. And yeah. so I, I'm really excited to see what, what they do um, to help us create a better future. Le Leanna, did you go to college? Um, I didn't. I'm actually doing an online uh, vet tech program right now. Okay, um, great. My first year, so I waited about 10 years to go back to school. So um, when you just were deciding, like, like when I graduated from high school, going to college was a foregone conclusion. That's just what you did. Um, and the cost of college was far different back in the 70s and early 80s for me. Uh, was the cost or was the employment marketplace a deciding factor as to doing it the way you're doing it now? Uh, for me, it was definitely cost-related. Uh, I graduated six months early with honors uh, when I was 17, and the plan was to move to Wyoming, of all places, and to do a dental hygiene program there. But once I moved there with my ex, we realized very quickly that going to school uh, and surviving it without a job, it's very hard. So you, you have to do both. You have to have a job while you go to school in most cases. And it was just too much for me to juggle. And the cost of going to school was probably the biggest reason. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think people, you know, l- let's just say this. As much as millennials may not think it's true, boomers went through periods of time where they struggled and stressed out and had a hard time paying things. And they would grew up in a different time. Uh, but the opportunities were far better for boomers than what we're looking at now for millennials. And it's largely due to the fact that people are fucking selfish and they only care about themselves. I'm curious as to what you what I what you think about this. Now, I'm guessing you don't have any student loan debt right now. Uh, no, not not yet. Um, it's actually pretty reasonable to go to school uh, through different online programs. So okay. Well, that's good. That's where you should be. I think four-year college, just for the sake of four-year college, is not the smart financial move anymore. So I think you're you're headed in the right direction. Let me ask you this, though. As a millennial, when they talk about um, forgiving all this loan debt, how, how do you see that? Do you see that as a negative or a positive? I think it's definitely a positive. Um, I can, I guess I can understand from the point of view of some people who have already paid their student loans, how that could be seen as unfair. But I mean, this is, it's crippling debt. It's, it's debt that these students have almost no hope of repaying. Um, The jobs that they're going into with their college degree aren't paying enough to pay off their student loans. So I think it's a really big problem. And I guess one thing for me I've, I've read as a suggestion would be to just get rid of interest rates. And so the amount that you are charged to do your program or your degree, that would be, that would be it. It wouldn't accrue interest. Um, in some cases, the interest is more than your loan was, you know, I think that that's a possibility to look at, but I think that wasn't it $10,000 that Biden's looking to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, think that's going to make an impact on many people. No, it's not going to make an impact. All it's going to do is say, well, see, I did something, but it doesn't fix anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you have that attitude because you have to look at this as a bigger picture. Uh, mm-hmm. My kids went to college. We paid their college loans. They were substantial. I got no dog in this race. Uh, I'm not going to gain anything if they forgive it. But people have to understand, and this is this is what's going to be positive for you, Leanna, is that We've got generations saddled with ridiculous debt. And when they come to uh, come of age and they are running things, they aren't going to be able to afford things. They don't have discretionary money. They're not going to be able to qualify for uh, for uh, um, uh, houses or even afford the houses. I've already seen this with my sons where uh, my son was looking to buy a house and he still had the debt. And they said, well, you make enough money, you can afford the payments, but you got this huge debt for college, so you don't really qualify. So even though he could have afforded it, they weren't going to give him the mortgage because of this ridiculous debt. And that's a problem for this country. If nobody's buying houses, nobody's buying new cars, nobody's buying anything. And and, and these people have to look at the bigger picture. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... It, it all will spread into everything else. Uh, I mean, these kids not being able to have a mortgage, um, get a car, you know, I mean, just be part of society in the way that everybody else has always been able to, you know, right. you're, it, it almost feels like being held back, um, not beginning adulthood when everybody else was able to. It's, it's discouraging. I, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that. Well, at 27 years of age, I'd already been married for four years. I was having my first child and I just bought a house. 
Okay. And that's how, that's how boomers really set up their life. And that's all my peers did the same thing. Now at 27 years old, are you married? Um, I'm engaged. Engaged. Okay. I, I take it. You don't have kids. No, no kids. Okay. Do you own a house? No, we actually rent. Um, my aunt is our landlord and without my aunt being our landlord, don't know how easily we would have qualified to even get into an apartment. What what what, what does your fiance do? What does your fiance do? Uh, he works at a tractor supply dealership. Okay. He does sales and rentals and parts. So he he has a really good job. He actually just um, was told he's going to be moving on to salary. So that's great for us um, at the moment. But I mean, together we still don't <laughs> make yeah, enough. No. I get it. Um, how do you feel about your position right now, where you're at? I know where I felt I was at. I'll be honest with you. I don't have a college degree. And when I was 27 years old, <coughs> excuse me, I um, I had a child. I had a house. I had no clue how I was ever going to be able to afford this. What's your mental state right now as far as where you're at? Oh, man, I I think every day is just kind of doing the best we can, um, making things work as well as we can. I, I have a chronic pain condition and I actually have been able to work for about two years now. Uh, so he's our primary source of income. I, I do what I can on the side, but just for us, the, the reality of life is always, it feels, um, very insecure. You know, we, we haven't been able to save in years. Everything that we put into savings that gets put towards another bill or an expense. Um, We have a cat that's diabetic and (laughs) her insulin costs $110 every couple months. Wow. So it's just, we can't really take on any more debt or, or loans or anything like that. Well, I will tell you this as somebody who who is a boomer and who went through life when when everything was about, oh, go ahead, accumulate debt, do whatever yeah. you can. Debt is a scam. It is a fucking scam. It it enslaves you and it makes everything more difficult. I remember when I was young, I had no money. Okay. So I got a credit card, which afforded me the opportunity to buy things. And at first it's really nice. Now I don't have a lot of money, but at least I can buy some things and live my life. But ultimately those credit cards come due. And now I'm struggling for money. I have a few things, but now my financial situation is worse because I have to pay that shit back. There, there is, if you, I've told my kids and I'll tell you, avoid debt as much as you possibly can. Yeah, that's one thing that my dad has drilled into my head since I was young was to just be very careful with credit, you know, to be careful with your credit cards. Don't take out more debt than you need to kind of thing. Well, you know, one of the things I can relate to, my my wife deals with chronic pain, too. Not in the same way you do. Her chronic pain happens to be me for the last 39 years. (laughs) I've been a chronic pain in the ass, and I think she'll back me up on that. But, but, you know, people have said to me, would you like to go back to when you're young? Even my wife says, fuck no, life is tough. Life is hard and you're experiencing it right now. But I will tell you this, you will get through this stuff. And as long as you keep your head down and keep pushing forward, you'll get to where you want to be and it will be better. I promise you that. Well, I appreciate that. I'm always up for any optimism. 
You got, you know, people always say, I had somebody say to me, you got this weird optimism. <laughs> That's not weird. Being negative and pessimistic is, it's weird. You can't go into anything assuming you're going to lose. You've got to assume you can win. And oh, I really, th- I really think your intentions and how you think really dictates where you end up on the path that you're on. And that's the key just to get on the fucking path and keep going and Definitely. wait for it to come. Yeah. Now do you, do you, I assume because you listen to the rational boomer podcast and you're calling today that, that politics has some importance to you. Oh, definitely. And I think that anybody that claims they're not affected by politics is, is lying because I, I mean, it's our, it's our everyday. Something is going on um, that directly impacts us. Right. Now I, I'm guessing you have some friends too, that say, Oh, politics news. I don't even want to listen to that shit. I don't want to get involved. I just want to live my life. You run into that. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I feel like I have two types of people. Um, I deleted my Facebook, but when I used to have it, it was, it was either like really hardcore right wingers or it was people that really did not care what was happening. Right. And I was just so frustrated with seeing both sides of that, that I just, I had to delete that and step away. (laughs) Well, I, I, I can appreciate that. And what people have to understand, the young people have to understand the reason we are where we are is because of all those people of my age range that said, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear the bad news. I don't want to get involved. I get a lot of shit about speaking out because a lot of people I know think, why you bother? Why you do this stuff? And I think, I think for me, the only reason I do it more than anything, because, well, first of all, I hate bullies having had dealt with that with my father for a while. So I, I, I have this need to fight against bullies, but at the same time, um, I, I am concerned about my kids and my grandkids and I want to be able to set it up for them as best I can. And, and when I'm dead and when I'm gone and my granddaughter looks back in history and, 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 and says, well, what did my grandfather do? Whether it's a small amount or a big amount, whatever it is, at least she can say I did something. And if everybody just does something, then that's when change occurs. Yeah, I think that's it's really important to to make sure you know what's going on. Those that remain ignorant in this, I don't think that ignorance is always bliss. I really don't. I think the people that choose to remain ignorant about what's going on, they're just contributing to the problem. Um, and I don't think that they realize these things are going to affect them too. Even if you're not a woman, even if you're not a person of color, you know, a lot of these different things that are going on lately, they're, they're going to affect everybody. Yeah, exactly. And and I think people people will very often not say or do anything until something bites them in the ass. And that's unfortunate. Exactly. You got to look ahead. Now, you're a young woman. You're of childbearing age. You're looking at starting your life. Uh, do, do you feel like you're being marginalized at all as a woman in the, in this country? Well, after the Roe v. Wade thing, I mean, I live in a safe blue state, which is fine. But, but my my primary focus after hearing that was, what about all these other women in these red states who are never going to get to have a choice? These young girls who are going to be put into positions that, I mean, they they don't know how to handle those things as young girls, and and then to be told that they don't have the right to make 
that choice over their own body, I, I think it's devastating. And I know personally, when I was 17, I found out I was pregnant and I wasn't with a very good person at that point in my life. And, and I didn't know what I wanted for my future, but I did know that I didn't, I didn't want to be a parent yet. I wasn't, I was not ready for that. Um, And so I made the difficult choice of, of getting an abortion at 17. And I can say without a doubt that the hardest thing about that process was not the procedure. It wasn't, it wasn't making that choice. It was, it was the people outside of the abortion clinic right. uh, yelling and, and screaming and, and telling me what a horrible person I was. It was, it was those people that made that whole experience traumatic. And, and you know that some of these same people are going to end up with daughters in the same situation and, and they'll allow them to get an abortion. You know, there's so much hypocrisy around the whole abortion debate. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that. Now, I knew young women when I was younger that had abortions. And like you say, the procedure is tough enough as it is. Yeah. The people around you that are speaking badly of you because you decided to go this way, a perfectly legal way yes. uh, at the time. <clears throat> but I don't I, I don't even know if I can speak to this really intelligently, but for you as somebody who's gone through that, is there some emotional things with that whole situation that you carry with you even today, 10 years later? Uh, I, to be honest, no, I, I feel very at peace with my choice. I have for a very long time. Um, and I, and I, and I, I feel like as long as I feel okay with what I did, you know, that's, that's really what matters. Um, but I think every woman is different. Every experience is different. And the women that do, that do suffer after they make that choice, I, you know, my heart goes out to them because every situation is different. Absolutely. It is absolutely different. When I was 18, 19, 25 years old, I had an abortion. That's fine. People right. should have that right. Now, as I'm 62, I look at it and I think, well, having had kids and have had grandchildren i know what's being missed by not having the child but at the same time who are we to say what women should do with their own body if somebody said to me you can't do xyz i'd say fuck you i'm doing it anyway i mean i think one of the most important things at this point now that you're this far beyond it uh, i hope you realize that that the really important thing here right now is that our government somehow decided to take a constitutional right away from you and people of your age. And that is unprecedented. And that is a fucking red flag because they're going to do more. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't stop with, with women and abortion and abortion was never even the issue in the first place. You know, it, it's so much more about control. Uh, And we see those news stories every day about young girls and women who are left without that choice and the consequences that come from that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think part of this has to do with uh, like the evangelicals and the far right Republicans and the uh, whole, whole control of the old white man. Uh, They're seeing their power slipping away because the future is 
you, Leanna, and people of your age, and the old white man is going to die off by the same way the dinosaurs died off. They won't be in power anymore. And I feel like they're desperately grasping for anything that helps them maintain power. Oh, I definitely agree. Yeah. Being an old white man, I think I can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) But I I tell you this, Leanna, (laughs) the moment I got married 39 years ago, I realized I have no fucking power. I just go along to get along and, 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 and behave as best I can so that I'm able to wake up in the morning before being murdered in the middle of the (laughs) night. Um, so, Leanna, are you are, are you a religious person or are you what? Uh, I, I'm not. I don't consider myself um, religious as much as I consider myself spiritual, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do believe in some sort of higher power, um, but I believe more so in just kind of um, our own personal connection with the universe and right. with everybody on the planet. Just, I mean, we're all we're all here together. We're all here for a reason. Um, so I, I take, I take comfort in that. I've said this before. And I, the, the, the most poignant comment by a religious leader I've ever heard was by the Dalai Lama. He's a Buddhist. Somebody mm-hmm. said, please explain your religion. He said, my religion is very simple. Just be kind to one another. And when yes. you think about it, if you just did that, that would cover everything else. Absolutely. Break it down in simple terms. I have a simple mind, so I need to do that. And and the Dalai Lama (laughs) did that for me. Um, So where would you say your mindset is right now? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you worried? Are you happy? Looking forward into your life, because that's what you do when you're 27. You figure, where am I going to be at 30 and 40 and 50? Um, I would like to say that I'm more optimistic, uh, but I think, I think a lot of people are, are especially my age, are feeling almost like a, a sense of impending doom. Yeah. <laughs> but just a lot of uncertainty, you know, not knowing where things are going to go. Everything is so up in the air. We're coming up to two very important elections in the next four years, you know. Right. Um, I just think so much is uncertain. And as somebody with anxiety, <laughs> That doesn't help my anxiety, but but I do think it's important to keep some level of optimism because without that, you're just going to receive negative. Absolutely. Things. You know, it's a funny thing is, is when I look at my kids and people of their age, I see a lot of people with anxiety and I'm wondering where that comes from. My wife has anxiety too. I'm the odd one out. I just don't give a shit. I don't worry about anything I can't control. I don't stress about anything. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just tell you this. I've said this before, too. Over my life when I was younger, I stressed about things. I was worried about things. But in that lifetime, I've gone through every possible tragedy, travesty, uh, disaster, whatever. But right. at 62, here I am talking to Leanna in the northwest part of the country and, and, and still surviving and doing fine and being okay. I think I think people have to stop looking so fatalistic about problems that occur because problems are always going to occur during your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I do um, try to stay as positive as I can. Um, I, I guess, well, this next weekend, um, it'll be five years that I've been uh, sober from alcohol and good for you. Thank you. And the whole 
process of recovery, um, it, it changed my attitude and outlook on everything uh, and about life in general. And I think that also might be why I get so frustrated with the way that the world is, is because yeah. I know so much better. And I know that, you know, life, it, it's going to always have its downsides, but there, there's so much positivity and beauty out there. Um, and it's so easy to forget, you know, so it's, it's, you have to be mindful every day. Yeah, you do. I quit drinking 30 years ago, mainly because I knew that it was not going to go well for me if I, uh, if I continued. And, and, and in addition, uh, my wife was very encouraging for me to quit drinking too. So I, so I made that choice. And, 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 uh, I think drugs and alcohol, I'm not against any of them. I'm not against marijuana. I think they should legalize marijuana. I'm not against drinking. People can drink. But if you can't drink responsibly, I told my kids, I said, once you go beyond the legal limit, nothing good is going to happen. It's all going to go badly. So you got to either, you got to, I told my youngest son, I said, here's what you got to do. You got three options. You can drink the way you're drinking now, ruin your life and ruin the lives of people around you. Or you can moderate your drinking and uh, um, go through your life and drink here and there and be responsible about it. Or you might get to the point where you just have to quit drinking altogether. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but at some point, you have to make a choice, and then you're going to have to deal with the results of that choice. And if you keep drinking like some of us used to drink, it can't bring any good to the situation. Oh, Definitely. Definitely. Well, I'm 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 glad to hear hear you had enough sense to uh, quit, and you did it young enough. You realized yeah. this wasn't a, a a good thing. I tell you what, uh, Deanna, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some more stuff. All right. All right, Leanna, I'm gonna just run to the bathroom because I'm 62. Um, <laughs> That's that's the one thing you do when you're 62. Any place you go, you look around. Where are the bathrooms? <laughs> My dad's the same way. I get it. <laughs> and out to, I don't know if your dad knows this, but you may want to pass this on to him. When you're out with your wife, the best possible bathrooms you can go to are the places men don't want to go to, but that's why they're so good. And that's Michael's. And uh, what's the other one? You know, ever seen a Michael's? It's kind of a yeah. craft store. Yeah, the craft store. Yeah, well, you go in there, no men in the goddamn place, and you know it's clean. <laughs> and, and, and well, there you go. All right, I'll be right back. Okay. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, Leanna, uh, you're 27. That means in 2016, you would have been 21. So you would have been perfectly legal to vote in the 2016 election. Did, did you vote for president that year? I did. And I assume you voted for uh, Biden. Uh, for the, oh, yes. Sorry. Okay. okay. I mean, well, that I mean, a lot of people didn't know what to expect from, from, from Donald Trump's 
or no, no, you didn't vote for Biden. You voted for Hillary. I, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I screwed that up. That's, I'm sorry to confuse you. No worries. Um, but in 2016, you voted for Hillary. Uh, and uh, what were your thoughts of Donald Trump going into that election? We didn't know a lot about what we know now. Oh, my gosh. I, I think like a lot of people in the very beginning, I thought it was just a joke. You know, I, I thought there's just no way that this guy is going to be the president of the United States. Um, and then, you know, as it, as it got closer and the realization dawned, I, I was, I was pretty scared, honestly, just, just not knowing what was going to happen. Um, and I think I was scared rightfully so. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as scared as you were going into that election and finding out that Donald Trump won, um, your worst nightmares and even worse than that occurred. Is that a fair assumption? Oh, yeah. Um, clearly, this guy has no respect for women at all. Is that something you recognized early on? Oh, immediately. Like, especially after that uh, tape of him on that bus saying, grab him by the pussy. As soon as <laughs> I heard that, I was like, this guy. This is the guy that we that we want. Okay. Well, you know, and the funny thing is, is when I heard that the first time, I thought, okay, it's over now. They're they're not. He's not going right. to continue. But uh, damned if he didn't. What what, what do you think? Why do you think that Donald Trump got elected? Because you're right. At first, he was kind of a joke. He was kind of a novelty item. Nobody really thought he was going to win, especially the Republican Party. Uh, what do you think caused him to actually end up winning this freaking race? I think he made a lot of people very comfortable uh, being vocal about who they actually are and their values um, are like white supremacists, the racist. I mean, they came out in droves. Yeah. But as soon as he legitimized them and what they believe in, it, it was game over. And I, I think that's completely dangerous, that it, but we're seeing exactly who some of these people are. Absolutely. Which, which I guess I am grateful for in, in a sense. Yeah. It, it, to a large degree, Donald Trump did a service for America and people are going to say, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, here's the thing. Um, racism has always been a problem in this country. Sexism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, it's always been a problem in this country. And for the last 30 years, maybe people have, white people have thought, okay, it's gotten better because we're not hearing about it. But essentially, Donald Trump opened Pandora's box, or in this situation, lifted the rocks these fucking dwellers were under all these years and said, hey, come on out. The water's fine. You can say whatever you want. And that had to be pretty scary for for young people in this country, not ever seeing anything like that. Well, yeah, I mean, going from Obama, who had integrity and who was doing what he could to unite people. I mean, it was like night and day. Yeah. Did you what did you think that would do to this country? Do you think did you think that uh, a fair portion of this country would latch on to that shit? Oh, gosh, I don't. Maybe I was naive about it. Um, I didn't think that there were that many people out there that that thought that way. Um, And now you can't unsee it. (laughs) It's It's really true. 
it's disappointing and disconcerting to find out how many stupid and vile people there truly are in this country. Yeah, especially friends and family, people you've known all your life to, to find out that they secretly, well, not so secretly now, think those things. It's it's really alarming. Is that something you experienced with friends and family for that matter? Now you've got divisions because they're Trump humpers or they're whatever that they're now exposed for who they are. Have you, I did a TikTok earlier today and I talked to Ed on it in a previous podcast. There are situations where there are friends and family that can't talk to each other anymore and are probably separated for life. Did you go through that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, with several friends. Um, and then here where I live in Wenatchee uh, in Washington, my cousins are, they're very right wing. And I had emailed you many months ago about um, my baby cousins who, I guess they're not babies. Um, one is 13 and one is nine. And they they will spout anything that they hear come out of their dad's mouth. Right. And most of it is right wing talking points, um, really just intolerant opinions. And they're so young and it it's devastating to me to hear them talk the way that they do and call their teachers stupid for talking about climate change. Right. And, and now this family, they're they've become preppers and <laughs> Like, I mean, they're just, they're not who, who I thought they were. And it's just been drastic the last few years, how they've changed. And, you know, you can't tell people how to parent their kids, but just watching these kids, you're just like, what are you doing? The the, the problem I have, I have people in my family that are Trump humpers and we don't see eye to eye on things. And, what what I don't understand is somebody will stand in front of me and say something racist, misogynistic, or just fucking conspiracy theory bullshit. And uh, they say this to my face, and then I will come back at them with, oh, I don't know, something like maybe the truth. But then, <laughs> but then they, will, they, they will come after me as, why can't you just be nice? Why can't you just comply? And I say, why can't you? You're the one spewing the bullshit. Now, why am I the villain? Because I have the audacity to call you out on this bullshit. It's it's a weird situation, you know, especially here in Minnesota. We have Minnesota nice. And for somebody to be in their face and saying, no, you're fucking wrong is a little unusual. Some people are uncomfortable with it. But I, I, I think that's the important thing. And I hope the millennials and you, Leanna, know this is that. Uh, there comes a point where you have to stand up, push back and say, no, that's fucking bullshit. You don't get to keep spreading this shit. Right. Absolutely. It's it's dangerous. The the rhetoric is dangerous. Well, yeah, you know, there was a time when people say, oh, it's just rhetoric. It's nothing. Well, we've gone through six years of rhetoric and we can see how dangerous it has been and how much damage it has caused because it's been immense. Um, now, now what you've seen in the last six years with Donald Trump, uh, this is obviously the d- most difficult, dangerous time you've ever seen, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I can really remember. And what, uh, <coughs> excuse me, what's your attitude about that? Do you think we can get through this? I think we have to. I mean, I hope that enough people are scared about the future 
and concerned that that we can actually get a large amount of people coming together to fight back against the fascism that we're seeing because that's what it is it it's fascism and we can read the history books and we can see how other democracies have failed but but we can't see it in front of our own face right right you know yeah. so i'm hoping that a lot more people open their eyes and are willing to to take this on it's going to be hard but we don't have a choice we don't have a choice and and we're right at that moment in time where we have to do everything right in order to save it now that said i've i've had people young people come to me and say oh it's doomsday that's all over we'll never be able to fix this um something you didn't experience that your parents probably experienced is this is not necessarily the worst time in our history or even in my history because the 60s were just as turbulent just as divisive uh, I mean, you, you have to think in the 60s, we had four major assassinations, JFK, RFK, MLK, and Malcolm X. We had a war in Vietnam. We had protesters all across this country. We had riots on college campuses and kids getting hurt. Kent State, people were killed. Uh, we, we had a lot of turmoil in the 60s. Now, I was born in 1960, so I didn't know any better. I figured that's just the way it is. But that period of time, we went through some serious shit, and it was a dangerous time. But as I said, like with me, why I don't worry about stuff is because, you know, that's 50, 60 years later, and here we are. Somehow we got through it. And uh, we got through that by way of uh, a more thoughtful crowd, a younger crowd, meaning us and maybe the Gen Xers. So you have the power as a millennial to fix this situation and ultimately hopefully some of us boomers will help to get it pointed in the right direction but you will get through this because you ultimately will be making the decisions well yeah i mean you're completely right it's it's going to be the millennials and the gen z to to really get things moving in the right direction you know what makes me feel good about millennials is my oldest son married, has kids, has a good job. Him at 34 years old is far more responsible and, uh, and sensitive than I ever was or am now. So, you know, what we want to do as boomers is leave this place better than we found it. And since I was born in 60, um, I'm just hoping we can get through this whole point before I die and have it a better place for uh, you younger people, how, how do your parents feel about this situation right now? Obviously, they're concerned about it. Do they see a bright future for you and and and, and your younger people around you? Uh, I would definitely say that my mom is the most optimistic. Uh, she has brought up the same kind of things you did. She grew. She was born in '62. Um, you know, so she's shared with me how things have been bad and we've gone through a lot of things but things always do end up getting better um she's a lot more patient than i am okay. i think and i think that's it's something that a lot of us are struggling with right now is just being patient and waiting for things to get better when we're kind of a generation of people that are used to seeing things happen quickly and like an instant gratification type thing and so i think that that's something we could work on as, as being patient. 
Yeah, and it's not just you. It's boomers, too. Everybody, you know, I've said this before, when Joe Biden was inaugurated and he took the oath, I think there's a lot of people, boomers, millennials, whoever, all thought that the moment that happens, the world would change. Donald Trump would be handcuffed and dragged off to jail. And that was never going to happen. When we're talking about politics or legal processes, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to be patient and you've got to take a look at all the little cues that are happening to understand which way it's going. Um, now, what you're seeing now with the January 6th committee, let me ask you this. When I was when I was like 14, 15, I watched the Watergate hearings and I was um, immersed in that. I, lo- I, I paid a lot of attention to it. Do you get that same sixth sense with the January 6th committee? Do you understand how historical that will be? Oh, absolutely. I've watched every single hearing, you know, and, and I've tried to encourage anybody I can to tune into. I, I, I think we're, every single hearing has been better than the one before it. And mm-hmm. I think this is really valuable information for everybody to have. And I think, I hope people are paying attention. Well, and I, you know, I think being every hearing was better than the last. I think that's intentional by the January 6th committee. We know they hired television producers to help put this together, which I think was a good idea. I think we've only seen the, the 50% of the bad shit that's going to come out. And it's, it's going to cause a, a cleansing in this country as far as this corruption and criminality and and uh, we'll see more and more. And I think they're going to walk it right up to the, the midterm. So it stays in people's fore, forefront of their minds. Yeah, I, I hope that we're going to start to see more having to do with the Congress uh, members and kind of how that all went down. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that. Now, when you what's your perception of Congress? Uh, you know, if you took a poll, most people think Congress sucks. Uh, and, and that's probably true. But as we see it now, we're seeing the corruption, the lies, the bullshit, the gaslighting, the distractions, the diversions, and the intention of really enriching themselves and not giving a shit about about the country and the people in the country. How do you feel about Congress? I think we have plenty of members of Congress that are only in it for the wealth and the power that comes along with it. Um, Definitely. I do think that we have some Congress members that do have integrity and, and do want the best for the country, but they are so drowned out by the louder voices um, that don't want things to get better. And, and they don't want to do anything that involves compromising with the Democrats. It, it's just what, what are they doing? You know? What well, is- that, yeah, that's the thing. There's these older white men and some women, uh, they know how to play this game. They're just louder and talk longer yeah. than everybody else. But that that can only last so long. It's it's not going to be continuing to work, especially with what the January sixth committee is coming out with. I mean, do you, do you think what what we know about the January sixth committee and what we know about members of Congress that may have helped the insurrectionists? Do you think we'll see uh, members of Congress, Republican particularly, expelled from Congress? Oh man, I hope so. <laughs> I, I think um, hearing what Merrick Garland said the other day about anybody um, being culpable, you know, about him holding everybody accountable, everybody and anybody. And I, I do, I do think that we're going to see members of Congress get expelled for this. 
Absolutely. And that's the only answer to it. They have to be. If they yeah. were part of an insurrection, they have to be expelled. Now, now, go up until the last week or so, how did you feel about what was going on with the DOJ and Merrick Garland? A lot of people were saying, oh, he's not going to do anything. He's weak. He's just going to let it slip on, slip into the cracks. How did you feel about the DOJ at that point? Uh, I don't know how popular the opinion was, but for me, I kind of always had faith that something was going to be done, that he, that the Justice Department was going to be doing what they were supposed to be doing. I think it's taken a lot longer than people would prefer, but yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever had a doubt that accountability will come. Well, you know, there was the, the common thought was that we don't want to indict a president because that would cause so many problems and divide the country and such. But my attitude now is what we're seeing is so egregious and so blatant that by not indicting the president, the former president or members of Congress would be just as bad, if not worse. Oh, so absolutely. I think we're looking at a much different situation than what people are trying to make history about. Yeah, I definitely agree. Who, who are some people in Congress that you like as a 27-year-old young woman in, in the Northwest, do you see any hope in members of Congress or possible presidential candidates? Uh, one person that I see a lot of hope in, um, but I believe she's a representative, is uh, Katie Porter. Absolutely. I, she She's a badass. And I have so much faith in her ability to to debate with the other side and to make it comprehensive for everybody that's listening. It's, she's just, she's a rock star. She is. She is. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, I like her probably a little better than AOC. I like AOC too, mm-hmm. but the problem with AOC, she's pretty young. Katie Porter's not nearly as young, uh, but she's so progressive and I'm all for the progressives, but she's so progressive. It might hurt her in a general election for a, presidencies and she's just too young she'll be exactly um 35 when the election goes and i think she needs some time to marinate a little bit get more accustomed to what's going on in in this country but katie porter (laughs) god damn it i'm glad i'm not married to her because i would be destroyed (laughs) what what about you know we're here we're hearing a lot about uh uh, another guy, I'd love to see a woman as president because clearly the men have fucked this up beyond all control. Uh, but if there is a man, there, there's a few men that I'm thinking of that might be possible candidates too. I was thinking Eric Swalwell. I was thinking, uh, even, uh, Jamie, uh, was, I can't think of his last name. Yeah. Uh, but it seems to me, and I'm just looking at it and trying to figure out how this is all going to play out. I got a feeling that Gavin Newsom is going to play into this somehow. I think you're right. We've been seeing a lot more of him lately in the discussion. And I particularly like what he did. I don't know if you noticed this, but, you know, we have all these anti-abortion things in Texas and stuff. And they said, well, if you if you know somebody with an abortion, we have a law now that says you can um, (laughs) can sue them for ten thousand dollars or whatever it is. Gavin Newsom did the same thing in California, but with guns. He's basically shoving it in the face of the Supreme Court of the uh, uh, of the state of Texas and all the other Republicans. He's he's saying, 
Okay, you want to do that? That means I can do this. So I like the fact that he's being aggressive about this. Yeah, definitely. He's he's the most aggressive and loudest voice that we've seen so far um, out of all the states when it comes to these abortion rights. And I think what he did with uh, the insulin is huge. Absolutely. Uh, use their own insulin. I, I hope that that's something that catches on with other states. But I, I do. I think he's he's a good possibility. I I don't think Joe Biden or Donald Trump will figure into the 2024 election. I just don't. I mean, I like Biden. Okay. There's a lot of stuff I don't like about him. He was the right person to take over and make the transition from a fucking shit show. But I still think he's an old white man. Are are you getting tired of old white men, Leanna? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Except except your dad and me, right? Of course. Yes. There's exceptions. (laughs) Well, I mean, the, 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 the age of the old white man has got to go by the white wayside. It's at this point been a failure and all hope is now in, in you millennials. And I think there's a lot of people that are either Gen Xers or millennials that um, propose some good change in this country. Oh, yeah, um, are, you, are, you, are you planning to have kids at some point in the future? Uh, that- I think we're both kind of on the same page as far as, um, not having any of our own kids, if anything, we would adopt. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm 27 and I feel like I can barely take care of myself right now, no, you know, financially. So the thought of having kids is very scary to me still, but um, I like the idea of giving a home to those that don't have one than yeah. having my own children. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's good advice. I mean, bringing kids into this world. I mean, this is something I've heard since the sixties. I don't want to have kids because I'm not confident about this world. And I understand that, Um, you know, bringing kids into the world, uh, having kids is a, it's one of the greatest things ever. I'll tell you that I loved having my sons. Um, (laughs) I absolutely adore my grandkids and, and I wouldn't have it any other way, but it's not easy. I mean, if you're already struggling and you're not sure what's ahead, it makes things a lot tougher. It's very rewarding, but, you know, you got to live your life, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so so how soon before you're getting married? How far you put it out? Uh, well, we've already been engaged for about two years, okay. maybe close to three. Uh, with COVID and everything, it, it just became impossible to plan um, and save so I think we are both looking for something really small within the next year. Okay. Yeah, that's, I'll be honest with you. I was married and I didn't have a huge wedding and my father-in-law paid for it. Uh, but um, these crazy expenditures on, uh, uh, on uh, um, weddings. Yeah. It's kind of wasteful. It, yeah, it, it really not, is. It's not our speed at all to have, a really big show of things. So I think it's um, better for us financially and overall to just do something small and intimate. Now you want to be a veterinarian. Is that right? A vet tech. Yeah. Vet tech. And uh, obviously like animals and I do. Yeah. I love animals. I I tell people I love all dogs better than most people. Same. And, 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 And there's, I will tell you this though, during COVID, uh, my son was working in the hospitality business and uh, my youngest son, 
And uh, of course, the hospitality business just went bust during COVID. So I said, I said, uh, um, well, just, you know, get a job that you want, just something to keep you busy and make a little bit of money. And, and he ended up getting a job in a veterinarian's office, a dog, a hospital, cat and dog hospital, because he loves dogs. He loves animals. But after doing it for about a year and a half, he says, I'm never doing that again. I mean, it's not so much the animals, but it was the animals. You know, right. he, he was just the big guy that held the dog while you gave him a shot. He was yeah. no, he wasn't a vet tech. He was just the big guy with the dog. And this kid got bit so many times. It was crazy. Yeah. But, no, I mean, it definitely, what I've learned so far is it, it takes a special person to be able to work in that environment long-term. I've talked to many vet techs who only did it for a few years before they just became burnt out on it. And yeah. I'm hoping that doesn't happen to me. But. Well, on the other side of the coin, I have a niece, my uh, goddaughter, in fact, is a vet tech and she loves it and uh, she'll never quit. So I'm sure you'll do fine with it. Um, you're, you're, you're dealing with a different mentality. I've got a 28 year old son and, and the one thing I've said, we'll exclude your fiance at this point, but having been a 28-year-old guy and younger, one of the problems those guys have is they oftentimes have more testosterone than they have intellect. <laughs> it takes aging over a certain time before that balance out. Yes. <laughs> the testosterone yeah. is is at an equal level or a lower level than your intellect. And and it comes. So when you get married, whenever that may be, cut your cut your husband some slack because he's just dealing with physi uh, uh uh the physical aspects of being a young guy. <laughs> okay, I guess I can give him a break every once in a while. Well don't give him too many breaks because then I'm gonna feel like shit because my wife never gives me breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I talk shit about my wife and I talk shit about marriage, but I've been married 39 years and I can't imagine having it any other way. Cause I, I, I tell my wife that um, between you and I, we are the only ones that could really tolerate the other on a 24 seven basis. So that's largely true. If you can, <laughs> so it's perfect. It is perfect. You know, we're friends, we go on trips, we do a bunch of stuff together. And if you can't do that, you really don't have much of a marriage. We, my wife gets very mad when we go into a, uh, a restaurant someplace and we're talking and she'll look across the room and she'll see a table where a man and wife, whether they be young or old, both of them are on their phones, not talking to one another. It just drives her nuts. So <laughs> So I, I don't bring, do I don't bring my phone into restaurants. That's a good idea <laughs> yeah, for my own safety. So what do you see happening in the midterms? What, what, what do you think is going to happen? What's your gut reaction to that? I think the midterms are going to go very well for the Democrats. I, I do. do I feel it in my gut. I feel that we have enough people that are upset and angry about what's going on, that they're going to do what they need to do and get out and vote. No, I agree with you. You know, they, they, they tell us, well, the midterms, the Republicans will win. That's what history tells us. And I keep telling people, well, history ain't like what history was. Right. Uh, I think people came out in 2020 because not because Joe Biden was such a great candidate, because they were scared shitless of Donald exactly. Trump. So I think the Democrats have to do the January 6th committee and foment that concern, that urgency, or even that fear to get them back out in the midterms. And I think they're doing that. 
Yeah, I do too. And I, I firmly believe there are way more of us than there are of them. No, I, I, I agree. So uh, I'm glad to hear this, Leanna, because, you know, I talk to so many people and they have no hope. And I'll be honest with you, there is no point in living life if there, if you believe there's no hope. There's always got to be hope. Otherwise, you might as well curl up in the corner and cry and fucking forget about it. Um, but you, you have hope for the country and you have hope for the midterms in 2024 and the like. I do. I really do. What do you think is going to happen when the millennials are finally in charge here? How do you think things are going to be different? Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more progress. And I think we're going to see the doing away with of the old and dated things that we just do not need um, as far as policies go anymore. Um, I'm hoping that we're see we're going to see um, way more rights for women, uh, people of color. Uh, I hope that we do something about gun violence. Um, I, I just, I have high hopes that, that once the millennials and this younger generation are in charge, that we're going to see progress again. Have you ever heard of the equal rights amendment? Uh, yes. Okay. And that's something that came about 60s, 70s or something like that. And that was about equal rights for women. It passed, but it had to be ratified uh, throughout the country. A certain amount of states had to vote for it. And here we are in 2022 and they still haven't fucking passed the equal rights amendment. That's, that's frustrating to even imagine. All we want to do yeah. is give women equal rights, but there are some people out there that refuse to, <laughs> to bend on this shit. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I, I see a lot of clips like coming out of different churches and I mean, some of these, they have congregations full of men that view women as objects um, and people that are supposed to housekeep and, and raise kids. And, so the mentality is still there. I think it's probably always going to be there. But hopefully we get to a point where those people go back into their caves and feel embarrassed about the way that they see women. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. I think that's what's going to happen. You know, having had boys, having been a male myself, I'd always heard about the Equal Rights Amendment and, and, and equality for women. And I was always for it, but I never really worried about it. You know, because it really didn't affect me directly. I, I, I would support it and I would talk about it. But now that I have a granddaughter, she's only two years old. <laughs> now I'm adamant about this shit. We got to get yeah. this shit straight. And like I said before, some people don't get active until they get bit in the butt. Well, I've been bit in the butt now that I have a granddaughter and uh, I refuse to see her be put in a situation where she's considered a second class citizen. Definitely. So how much longer before you're a vet tech? Uh, I have about three more years. <laughs> okay. okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, here, here's the, here's the thing. My son's 28. He's doing what he's doing. He's really not on his path of destiny, what he's going to do in the future. But here's what I found out growing up. I was in the same situation and almost everybody I knew. People think that when you get to be 22 years old, you get out of college or get out of uh, trade school or something like that. But that's when your life starts and that's when you start your career. In almost no cases have I seen that to be. I didn't get on my track till I was 28 or 29. My oldest son, same thing. Most people around. So at 27, you're kind of sitting there on the verge of your future and your career. Uh, but some people will want to try to 
uh, shame you because you're not already on that track. Right. Uh, yeah. What I what I found out is that people who get on tracks early on, they usually end up on some other track later on. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've seen plenty of people I went to school with who went to college right out of high school and they ended up doing nothing with their degrees. And now some of them are in school for a completely different field. So and I think it's um I think it's silly to expect people in their young 20s to know exactly what they want to be and do for the rest of their lives. When I was 21 years old, I was sure I knew pretty much everything. I had a small business and I, you know, I had the world dicked. I'm just, you know, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to have all the toys. And then when it didn't turn out that way, I've noticed this because I've had sons. I've noticed this with men is that there's a period of time when young men start to get not as confident and they get depressed and they get nervous and they get worried and they have anxiety and all this stuff. Because I think they realized that all the, while they had these dreams in high school of all the success and fame and all this stuff, and when they finally get to the point where they go, yeah, that's not realistic, that messes with a lot of young men's minds. Yeah, I agree. Uh, fortunately, is, is, is your fiancé similar age or is he older? Or? Uh, he's eight months younger than me. So. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So he's doing well. He's on track to what he wants to do. He's got a good career. Everything's going yeah. well. So he's, yeah, hold on to that one. Cause that's going to be an earner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. No, he, he works really hard and I think that he has finally found his path. And so that's great to see. Have you noticed his, his, his attitude different? Did you know him before he got to this point? Yeah, we've been together um, almost five years. Okay. Uh, and this job is relatively new, really within the last few months. Um, but just his mental health, the way that he views himself and his value, I mean, it's it's been awesome to see. It's been great. Well, you know, as a young man, especially if you're engaged or in a serious relationship, men are conditioned to say, I got to take care of this girl. Right. And I was like that, too. And I was at a point in my life where I said, I don't know how that's going to fucking happen. There's <laughs> nothing going my way. And that does mess with your head. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know that, that, that uh, he's been able to be in that position. I wouldn't rush to get married. There's no big rush to get married. Yeah, you are who you are. You're together. What yeah. the hell difference does it make? Yeah, exactly. It's that's really, that's kind of how I've always felt about marriage. Yeah. Yeah. How long have your parents been married? Oh gosh. Um, over 30 years. I'm not maybe close to 35. Well, you're lucky because that's a rarity. Oh, absolutely. And growing up, if you would have asked me if, they, if they'd still be married now, I, I wouldn't believe it. I, I'd say no, because they've gone through hell and back. And I, I really admire them for staying together after everything they've been through. And they kind of give me hope. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the things my wife tells me all the time is that, that uh, she's worried that the younger people aren't as, you know, they, they get into something and they say, well, this isn't fun anymore. So we'll move on to the next thing. And that next thing you know, you're married two and three times. I think right. any anybody of your parents age or my age, who have been married for any length of time, 30 plus years, have gone through some serious shit, some periods of time where you go, I can't fucking do this anymore. But there's yeah. other things to consider with kids and a life and all this stuff. 
if there's somebody going into marriage, I think the important thing is just know there's going to be some real problem areas. But if you push through it and work with it, it works out okay. Because my wife and I went through plenty of shit, mostly because of me. Not all, <laughs> but mostly because of me. But here we are now at our age and uh, we go travel, we go out to dinner all the time. We get along. We still have our arguments because um, probably because of me, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, generally speaking, we're friends and we go out and have fun and do a bunch of stuff. And we love our grandkids and our kids and stuff like that. So that's what I would tell you is once you get into this marriage, there is going to be some shit that's not fun, but uh, just stick to it, stick to it. And, 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 and don't, don't be going for that immediate gratification. Well, this isn't good. I'm going to get divorced and move right. on to the next thing. Trust, trust your decision-making process because uh, I can tell by just talking to you, Leanna, you're, you're an intelligent young woman. You've got a sound mind, your uh, reasonable mind, which isn't always that easy to find. And I think you're going to do pretty well. And I appreciate you listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. The fact that I have somebody as young as you listening uh, and a woman, no less, uh, is amazing to me. So I appreciate it immensely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate the advice as well. It it does mean a lot. Well, (laughs) and this isn't an advice show, but like, I don't know if you remember when I talked to Trevor, did you listen to that podcast? Yeah. Um, Because I was talking to a younger person, he was going through some things. I just, (laughs) I just feel compelled to give advice. Uh, And that's my, that, that, that's my curse as being an old man. (laughs) Um, And it may not be even the best thing to do on the show. But as I've said many times, Leanna, my fucking show, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Leanna, I thank you for coming by. And and, and I tell you this, I really enjoyed the conversation. You're a very intelligent young woman. And when we have the opportunity to talk to somebody from the millennial age, I'm always anxious to do it. So anytime you want to come back on, just send me an email and we'll do it. Perfect. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you, Leanna. That's going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. Uh, I hope everybody has a great day and we will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.